0: Hello and welcome to the Oxygen Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionFuelAndHydration.com. Personalize your fueling and hydration strategy so you can perform at your best. You can get 15% off your first order of electrolytes and carbohydrate fuel with code OA23 at PrecisionFuelAndHydration.com. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, coach, Rob Wilby, and every week we bring you an episode of this podcast to help motivate and inspire you as you're training for triathlon, any kind of endurance, swimming, biking, and running sports also while i'm on this please remember you can like and subscribe to our channel on youtube as well we're putting all of these interviews out on youtube as well so if it makes it easier when you are listening at home if you want it on on the tv in the background as you're doing some work sometimes it's a bit more interesting to watch this on a video interview so get the interview up over on the uh, just just google um team oxygen addict on youtube and you can like and subscribe over there so today's episode i've got a brilliant interview with an old friend of ours donald brooks donald a lot of you will know is one of the very best age group triathletes that the country has ever produced he was the overall winner of 70.3 weymouth he's multiple european and world champion he was british champion at every distance every multi-sport distance last year the guy's just a phenomenon for someone who who didn't take up the sport till very late in life as you'll hear in the interview um he's, he's an amazing guy with an amazing story and it just goes to show you never know how good you can be until you get started so i look forward to bringing that interview to you a little bit later on but before we get to that a couple of things to get to Next up, a trail for next week's episode. Coach Chris Palfram and I are going to be putting together an episode on improving your running. So if you're looking forward to ways to make a breakthrough in your running, whether that's at iron distance or just at any distance in standalone running, as well as in triathlon, duathlon, multi fire as your questions over. You can best way to get them to us is help at oxygenatic.com. We've got a presentation we're going to do with all of the things that we've learned along the way, the tips and tricks we've got to help you improve your running. And also, we're going to be answering listener questions as well. So fire those over to help at oxygenaddict.com okay before we go into this week's episode our sponsors help bring this show every week so i want to give a really massive thank you to them this is a genuine endorsement of their products precision fuel and hydration i believe make the best electrolytes and fuel supplements out there i've been using ph electrolyte supplements since they first came out when i met them back at 2015 i think all the way back in the day at ironman uk I knew Andy Blow from back in the day from racing. He'd been a very, very successful racer. And he, like me, really struggled in the heat, really struggled, especially in Hawaii when it was incredibly hot and humid chatting with him it struck me I had just the same symptoms of him and and it turns out lo and behold we are both incredibly heavy salty sweaters and just the products on the market at the time the standard sports drinks don't cut it for people like us and Andy created the company to solve this problem for endurance athletes. He's got a range of products or they now have a range of products of electrolytes in different strengths so no matter how strong or salty or voluminous your sweat is you can Find the pH product that suits you as well. Okay, they've also now expanded into having carbohydrate products as well. So they've got gels, drink mixes, delicious little chewy chews you can have, all with uh, the exact number of grams of carbohydrate in there. So especially if you're doing long distance triathlon, it makes it really simple to keep track of how many of those grams of carbs that you need per hour you've had. The way you can best check them out is they're an education company as much as they are a selling electrolytes and fuel company. so go over and check out the website they've got a fuel and hydration planning tool that'll give you a personalized strategy for your next race it'll help you understand your own carbohydrates electrolytes and fluid needs so you can refine your strategy during training and then you can absolutely smash it come race day don't forget, you can also book a free one-to-one video consultation with PFNH's athlete support team with their sports scientists, and they'll be happy to help you nail your race nutrition plan and help you to perform at your best on race day. All you've got to do, guys, is go on YouTube and watch the rerun of Kona from last year and look at the number of people who are riding with PFH bike bottles in there. Lots of those athletes are not sponsored, but I'll tell you now, there's a reason that those bottles are on the back of those bikes, right? Check it out. Go and have a look. The distinctive black bottle with the kind of multicolored rainbow swirl around it. That's the PFNH bottle. Those are athletes who are making use of PFNH's fuel and hydration planning at the very least. OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there without saying too much but they're an awesome company. I love them. Go over and check them out and use the code OA23 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Don't forget, if you're a Team OA member, there's a bigger discount than that. You've got to go into the members area of our website to go and get that, but make sure you go and, go and get that um, discount code if you're a Team Oxygen Addict member. All right, here we go. Let's go up to this week's interview of the week with Donald Brooks. Okay, Donald, welcome onto to the Oxygenatic podcast. It's uh, it's lovely to get the chance to get you onto the show. Uh, for for listeners who haven't met you before, I'm going to talk a little bit about your previous accomplishments and probably miss a lot of them out because there's a, there's a lot of them. But it's really nice to get the chance to get you on and have a proper chat because our paths have crossed at various events over the years, and we've managed to have a little bit of a chat. But I'm really looking forward to interviewing you and finding out more about the the man behind the performances.
1: Yeah, no, it's, um, I've listened to your show for a long time, so it's a, uh, it's quite um, an honour to come on here and uh, have a chat with you. So yeah, like I say, oh, It's, a, thanks, it's a very familiar the honours all mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I've got a first up. I need to give a shout out to our mutual friend Matt Bottrell, who was the, who was the impetus really for us finally getting this interview done by texting me after he'd been doing. I don't know whether he was doing a bite fit with you or something, but he said you've got to get Donald Brooks on this show, mate. Let me send you his number
1: that's right yeah i was up um i was up with matt recently actually because he fitted me i went onto a newer bike last year um about yeah for the 2022 season um a specialized shiv and he fitted me november 21 and um i messaged him and he goes yeah we can get you faster on that bike so come up it'll only be a little tweak and um yeah ended up taking the whole front end of the bike off and um it was almost like build it up from the start again so um yeah he's always he's he's so confident and knowledgeable in what he does and um he's always looking for those little gains and the experience he brings to that bike fit is um yeah very good he's um yes he's a wealth of knowledge in that area so always I'd, i'd highly recommend going and seeing him he's yeah he's brilliant
0: He's a he's a modern day magician, I think, that uses his magic in the realm of just making people faster on the bike. It's quite an interesting crossover of his technical knowledge, but also it feels like there's as much of an art to it for Matt as there is a science to it. And like you say, he'll start to make a little tweak and the next thing you know, the front end of your bike's disassembled and people come back and say, I don't know what he's done, but it feels totally different now in this new position. And I feel
1: really fast. That's it. Yeah. And he, he brings his wealth of experience. He's, he's worked with some top level athletes. He was on that sub seven project. He, he spent hours in the wind tunnel. So he brings all that knowledge to you. And then he, he takes the time to really look at you and you spend hours in there. And, um, yeah. And he's just looking at all the little bits and pieces that make you go faster and look at the bigger picture. So Yeah. yeah, he's, um, yeah I always enjoy my little trips. I've just seen that.
0: Well, listen, I've kind of skipped over the introduction to you in all of this. So I've, I've hacked this from various sources on the internet. So, so we're going to read through your list of achievements here. So, first up, four time world and six time European age group triathlon champion. You were British champion in 2022 across every distance they had an event. Is that right? There were five different. That's five different across all the five there.
1: distances, yes. Yeah, so. so from, Brit-
0: sprint Olympic aquathlon duathlon and middle distance is that that's right, right. yes yeah. yes amazing you won 70.3 Weymouth overall and you were voted btF male age group athlete of the year um which is you know amazing achievements but the thing I think that's most surprising about you is you didn't actually do your first triathlon until you were 37 is that that's right, right.
1: yeah some good, good research yes 37 um in 2014 I did my my first proper triathlon yes yeah I done a, I dabbled a little bit in multi-sport doing a before then but um hadn't done multi-sport and put all three together and, until 2014 yes it was oh, wow. um, and it was a it was literally a last minute decision um I managed to get a um somebody else's space that couldn't race and I entered I got the space on a Friday night and raced on a Sunday morning so buying a tri suit at registration because they had some of their club kit there so <laughs> yes
0: that's amazing so like how did you get into the triathlon in the first place what was your route in were you a, were you a single sport athlete as a child because i think i've read and i don't know what this is really other than i've heard vaguely of it underwater underwater, underwater hockey or underwater hockey, hockey is
1: that what it is? yeah or also known as octopus um octopus oh, yeah so we it,
0: actually coached a guy who did this a year ago someone came into the team and it, and that was the first time i'd ever heard of it and i read about it and it sounds yeah. like it sounds like water polo on steroids for like navy seals or something it sounds like the hardest possible game explain a little bit about it and then we'll go on to talk about the the triathlon implications
1: yeah so i saw sort of, i sort of got into the sport when um i did play water polo um because I swam at club level as a junior, I got into water polo because had a team there. And um, I always liked playing the water polo, but I, I thought of something else. My dad was into scuba diving. And from that, I, I wanted to join the scuba diving club, the BZAC club, and you couldn't join until you were 14. And um, when I turned 14, I went along to the um, diving club, started my diving training, but they also had an underwater hockey team Um, known as Octopus because they are linked to the dive clubs or they used to be. Now they're more so they stand on their own. Um, So I got into it at 14 with some of the guys from the diving club and um, sort of taken under their wing and started going away to a few of the tournaments and that and progress from there. But for people that don't know, it's played by, um, there's two teams of 10 and um, you only ever have six in the water at any one time. And you start either end of a swimming pool and you wear mass snorkeling fins and there's a lead puck on the bottom of the pool and two tin troughs at each end. And the idea is to get the puck into the opponent's goal. Um, uh, they're played in swimming pools ranging from the you know, normal swimming pool, a shallow end to a deep end. So you change ends to get the advantage of the slope or the national competitions are normally played in um, Olympic type pools widthways, ways where... It'll be a uniform depth across two meters to three meters deep. So yeah, very much of a team sport because you've got those um ten people in the team and there's six in the water. So you've got rolling subs as often as you want. And okay. yeah, it's um it's very it's um very hypoxic game, if you like. Well, that was yes.
0: Well that's gonna be my next question. It's like, how do you think that affected your or developed your ability to do endurance type sport later on and imagine there's a lot of holding your breath and swimming down and getting comfortable being in close contact with people
1: under the water and being able to be in that situation not panic because you can't get up because sometimes you can't get to the surface exactly when you want to but you will get there within a couple of seconds but it feels like an eternity because there's no holding anybody down or anything so if somebody wants to go up they can go up but yeah you are um you're very much, I used to play as a forward, so a striker. And so I would take, when the buzzer goes to start the game, you'd sprint from the pool side to the middle of the pool to get the puck. Um, the first person there has advantage to move it to their team. And then you're always watching the game, looking backwards, and then trying to work out where you're going to go down so that you can time a pass coming forward, through being on it. And then you will sprint up to their defence line, either try and Go around them, through them, use your other forwards, or come back into your defence to go around the back or something. So, but then as soon as you're up, a couple of breaths, you're back down again. And um, so it's
0: a lot of a lot of sprint swim training and holding your breath, which is obviously going to help yes. develop a poor manner of uh, lung function for later on in life, right?
1: Well, I remember I'm, I played. Uh, as i got into my late teens i started playing with um or training with the gb squad and then tr- um, playing with them um and i remember in some of the later years um we used we were training at loughborough swimming pool and they used to do a bleep test once a month and the bleep test was like um it's like you say it's like um the bleep test you do in the sports hall but on steroids so again it gets quicker and quicker and quicker but the 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 function of it was you'd have a a 25 meter pool you'd have a lane rope across halfway so at 12 and a half meters and you you had to swim on the surface when the beep goes and then you had to duck under the lane rope and do the second half underwater to the wall so you're holding your breath for a half a length and then off again and off again and off again and the beep
0: and gradually gets faster and faster as you faster go faster
1: and faster and faster yes and that was always very challenging but i used to do very well at that and um i think i had that aerobic engine that was just there to be tapped into, um, yeah. more so than some of the others, yes. So,
0: so did yes. you did you run and bike at all as as a kid through your youth, through your twenties, through your
1: thirties? Um, as a kid, no, not really. Um, I had a okay. bike. I had a mountain bike, I used to ride around my paper round uh, with a friend. I used to cycle <laughs> everywhere. It was like, but yeah. not not any per never a road bike, it was just a mountain bike to get me down to the woods or down to a friend's house or something but um no i didn't start cycling until about 2012 when the olympics were in london it sort of like grabbed everybody's attention i was yeah about 34 at the time and sort of grabbed my attention a few friends of mine had road bikes and they were like you've got to come out you'll love it you'll love it and i'm, like, no, I'm not sure was a, i borrowed one of their bikes went out with them a few times and it was like it used to find it really hard <laughs> it was like um yeah my friends joked that oh yeah i used to be hanging on the back and i used to have to drive over and put my bike in the car to the next town along because it's quite hilly to get there and that's where we met so i used to put the bike in the car and drive over there and yeah, like a twenty-mile bike would be hard work, and yeah, but um, you progress, that's, and you, yeah, you. The more you do something, the better you get at it. So and it grew from there, really. So yeah, well, that's, that's a,
0: really important, I think, for for anyone who's listening, who's a beginner, and and wondering how can anybody get good at the sport. It's worth remembering that sometime who somebody who's a four-time world champion started out by having to drive their bike across, so they could do more of the ride with the mates i think often people yeah people assume that you come into a sport and people who are at the very top of the sport were always very good at the sport but i'm really interested talking to you to find out that 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 wasn't the case at all no not at all
1: no and i didn't really I always remember finding running at school really hard. We used to have to do the 1500 meters around the grass track. And occasionally there'd be a fun run, they called it. And it was 5k around the estate with um, your parents got involved. Sometimes I always found running hard. And um, I met my wife through swimming and um, she was more into running as well. So from then we did, um, I probably started running. There was um, the local triathlon club the triathlon club used to hold um from the pool i swam in with the masters club and so a few people would do those and so i've done a few aquathlon's, and i do the 600 meter swim no problem jump out and uh, i'm running in my speedos and a t-shirt absolutely giving it everything running about 22 minutes for a 5k and it's um Yeah. I found it really hard. Did a few 5k races and that, but it was, I always found the running very hard and yeah, my times were in the low twenties, I guess. So, um, okay. Yeah. I hadn't really, um, pushed any harder until I got into triathlon and then I just progressed at it. Really. I just kept chipping away at it and my times came down.
0: Right. So from somebody who somebody who literally couldn't ride from the door with the mates when he first started riding and had to take the bike in the car and was running what did you say 22 minute 5k about 22 minute
1: 5 k's. i used to be and my heart rate would be it's higher than my heart rate on our race now so yeah it was i was putting in the full effort so yeah yes.
0: Okay, and your your PBs are actually listed on your Instagram page, and I didn't copy them in because I didn't think we'd get into this. But I think I remember. Is it fifteen forty? You've now got yeah. I think my
1: PB is fifteen forty eight at the moment. So wow, yeah, and that was recently. That was about eighteen months ago, it's tail end of twenty one. Yes, I did that.
0: That's not a bad progression across across like an eight-year triathlon career, isn't it? That's uh, quite something yes. from 22 minutes down to 15. The thing I love about this, you never know. You never know what your potential is. You you can't predict it from any of these things. You you wouldn't naturally think someone who's running a 22-minute 5K as an adult has the potential to improve down into the 50, because 15 minutes something is very top-level um winning your age group at sort of local championships over 5k kind of speed so that's really interesting
1: yeah no it's it's come along but i find that the the running elements where i get the most injuries and i guess most athletes are the same because because you're weight bearing and Mm. um i remember it's from your podcast actually i always um, refer to this with some friends is you've always emphasized do all your hard work on your bike and in the pool and do all your running easy. And I just I live by that. Yeah, I I I kill myself on the turbo. I'll do that in the pool as well. But I go out and I run all my runs around about. It's just a it's like a tempo steady pace. So I'll for me I'll run at about five minutes per kilometer, and I'll vary okay. the terrain, some hilly terrain sometimes. But I'll always try and keep it around about there. And I'll I'll chuck in the odd park run here and there, and a bit of speed work, but not too much, because I find that's where I get injured. And yeah, I, I'm balancing um run injuries all the time. Um, I've just been out this morning and run and my calf feels okay, but I've had a calf injury all over Christmas. So yeah, it's just a, it's a fine edge because I think you have such a good aerobic engine from your other sports, it enables you to push your body too hard for your legs, that um your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, they they don't like it. They they like to progress a bit slower. Yeah. yeah so that it, would be advice that for anybody yeah and advice for anybody getting into running is just build it up slowly you can't jump into it too quick yeah yeah
0: especially if you've come from a, a swimming background or a cycling background where you've already got a massive engine my dad years ago had this analogy he was like it's like watching those kids who they get the first car and it's an old banger and they bore out the engine and they put a more powerful engine into a a mini or a Peugeot 105 or whatever and the chassis of the car isn't isn't strong enough to take the power and the torque that the engine can produce, and that's why it, it breaks down. And I think the analogy is great because, yeah. exactly as you've said, you've got the ability to push the body to move at that speed, but it takes a long time to build up the durability, especially for swimmers, right? Because you've spent your entire life making your ligaments and tendons in your feet and ankles really floppy, so you can you swim see, well, yeah. Floppy. <laughs> I was going to say
1: floppy ankles. Yeah, I I always have problems in your perineal. Um, Muscles that are running down the outsides of your sort of like your calves and down the bottom because you just got floppy out so they're constantly. Yeah. I saw a chiropractor about this time last year and it was just like yeah, especially when you're running in these new like bouncy shoes. He goes, they've got no stability and you're just working overtime compensating. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's really really interesting about the fast shoes because I found that as well when I tried a pair that. They have that spring, but they have it in all planes. So it's not just forwards, it's sideways. And if you haven't got those, I think it's easy for us to look at the really good runners who you look at Kipchoge, perfect run form, right? Mm -hmm. perfect biomechanics, propel him even faster. Most of us, we have to accept as much as we would like to, like that's that we're just not that we've got some small flaw, And I think there's a possibility that that gets exacerbated by the shoes
1: it does and if you look at anybody's running form at the start of a race to an end of a race as they get tired their run form changes and i don't care how much people say no i run the same but you look at people and it'll be like you might start on your toes then you go to heel striking and you're just tired and you land differently you land heavier and it your running form changes as you get tired through an event yeah. and um you've got to take account of that and um yeah the, the i i only race in the the bouncy springy shoes um but yeah i can definitely tell my my um ligaments and tendons are sore after racing in them
0: definitely. yeah yeah interesting and and we also see at the very top level we've got runners who've got you know arguably the two runners at the moment who have got the best biomechanics are patrick langer and mm-hmm. gustav Hayden and the pair of them seem to be producing amazing performances in these new shoes I think other runners who don't have such great um, biomechanics, maybe it's like if you've got the great biomechanics, it propels you forwards even more, yes. but if you don't. So it's almost like a, a double win for the great biomechanics and a and not quite so much of a win for everybody else, unfortunately.
1: People need to experiment and try different things and see what works for you. But yeah, um, I've done quite a few races in them now, and I've done because uh, triathlon's a bit... That niche where you it's difficult to compare times across the triathlons but um, when you're doing your local 5k or your park run or something like that it's quite a good you can get benchmarks in different shoes and how you feel your heart rate and um your perceived effort to know how it feels so yeah i've I've done some experimenting with them and they definitely definitely help and that um i don't go into all the sales hype and that but they say because they're helping with every step the longer you go it's supposed to help you on the longer distances as well fatigue later Mm.
0: so yeah 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 so especially on the the sort of the marathon distance runs and marathons and ironman distance i think that's where it can really make the difference that last sort of or the 10k between 25 to 35k because that's where people start
1: to hit the wall and that yes so if you can have a bit more in the tank then it's it's always going to be beneficial so yes
0: so which triathlon performance are you most proud of looking back? You've obviously come into the sport quite late at 37. You've come in at um 2014 and and progressed really rapidly in the sport. Which one are you most proud of? Oh,
1: that's um there's so many to choose from, but um this year I've the two that really stick out for me on the longer distance stuff was um Winning Ironman Weymouth outright, mm. and there was no pro field there, but it was still there was still a lot of good age group athletes there, and it was it was fierce from the start, and um, yeah, that that was just a good day. The family were there. Um, you're running, you've got a lead bike in front and behind, and uh, yeah, that the whole of Weymouth were out is it was it was a it was a good day out. But um, the long course weekend I did in temby as well because I I did a full distance. Um it was a challenge actually in Weymouth in 2015. I'd only been doing triathlon for about a year and a bit. And um okay. I found it I found it very hard and uh and it really wiped me out for about six months after that. And I was like, oh, I'm not gonna go long again for a while. And then um I ended up doing the long course weekend in Tenby from a deferral, from a deferral from um COVID when I had sort of I was gonna do it in Holland because it's nice and flat. It was at the end of 2020, loads of fitness. It was like then it got cancelled. So I ended up doing it in Tenby. And again, the family came up. We rented a little house right in the town center. So they were there. They did the kids' races. Um and sort of I did the I did the swim. I was fifth because um it's split over three days. So you do swim Friday night, cycle Saturday, and the run Sunday. And um yeah, I was fifth place after the swim. Um, sort of like not on anybody's radar. It was okay. And then I made the lead pack in the bike. And it was just, I just had a very good bike. and um, managed to break away with a group and then managed to break away from that group towards the end. And um, yeah, I came in with a seven-minute lead going into the marathon. And again, I had an injury going into the marathon. I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. So um, being in the lead, I thought, I'll just hold on to the guy that's uh, second and third and see how long I can hold on to them. And yeah, one of them dropped off quite early and the other one I managed to hold till about halfway. And I went through the half marathon in nearly a PB and it was very hilly. And I was like, this is how I need to ease back a little bit. I've got seven minutes and hopefully it won't take seven minutes. And yeah, I came in and yeah, took it by about four minutes. Yeah. But uh, one of the um, motorbikes came up to me with about, two, two and a half K to go and said, I'm going to escort you into town because um, you're going to be the winner. And it was like, that was it. It was a good feeling. And then come running into Tembe, all the heritage of Tembi with the triathlon. And we've had a few family holidays there. It was, it was a, it was a good special moment. Yes. Nice. Yeah. To, what's um, your
0: experience been um racing out at the the world championships then? Which which of the ones so you've got four world championship wins yeah. to choose from? Which which one's been your favourite of those?
1: I would say the favourite's got to be the first one, which was in Rotterdam, which I think was seventeen or it might be been eighteen. Um, yeah, but that was my first experience of a world championship. So I've done a couple of Europeans before then and um yeah but um going to the world because you've got um, all the other countries there. so the australians are there the americans are there in force and it's just a bigger it's a bigger atmosphere it's a bigger venue i went over with some friends as well and um it was it just it just felt like a very big big um good event and um it was quite a technical bike it was um you were on and off the cycle paths and a lot, as they do, a lot of people complain about it. It's not just a big open straight road. It's very technical, small paths and that, but yeah, to my advantage. And uh, I, was, I wasn't I was expecting to win over there. So it was it was a really um, welcome surprise when I did. And uh, yeah, it really sticks in my mind, that one.
0: Yeah, I bet it does. Um, what what do your kids make of this? I know you've got two boys.
1: You've got two boys, yeah. They're uh, Max and Joe there. 10 and 8 now so um yeah they 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 i've had them do some of the local triathlons they they really seem to enjoy it they're in the local swimming club but yeah um my elder lad uh, max he was around kona time he was just watching all the kona videos of the old um Races and that, and he'd come out and he's given me all the names of the people that are doing it and said, Oh, he managed to come back from like being 15 minutes down. So they're really into it, and they come, they don't come away to many of the big ones with me because they're at school and travel and such. So, um, but I try and get them across to some of the ones where I know they can enjoy it, they don't have to have time of school, and um. They they do enjoy coming and watching racing. Yeah, they 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 get into it, especially my old one. My younger one, he just he does like watching, and he, he's probably the louder one when they're cheering. But um, yeah, he's oh. but they they both they both do enjoy the racing as well. Because there's um there's a local company around here, Sportiva Events. They they run a lot of multi sport events, and uh, in Painton they hold quite a few triathlons. And you swim in the pool you come out there's a vela park at the back of it which is um 1.5 kilometers around and then you can run around the field so it's all off-road it's very safe it's um, yeah they do they have loads of kids there racing it's really good to see them all getting involved
0: how do you how do you work the balance of parenthood and training and and i'm imagining that well i'm not imagining i know there's an awful lot of hours of training go into it balancing being a dad and having a full-time job is a challenge for any age group athlete who is into the sport so maybe there's something here that people can can learn from you how do you get that balance right
1: it's a tricky balance um but yeah i've got a very supportive wife and family um my job i i'm a company director for an electrical company so that does take up quite a lot of my time so that's that is monday to friday normally um so what i try and do is i'll get up early and i'll train i'll be up at half five and i'll train between six and seven six or maybe even half five till seven try and get an hour hour and a half in before i go to work and i always liked it's always hard to get up it never gets easier getting up but at least i've got that session in the bag it doesn't matter what the day throws at me if something comes up and i miss something else later on i've got the session done um and then i try and do a session in the evening and that one will be it'll be mixed around the family so um that I'm running the boys around the clubs and things and I'll do split turbos and so I'll do 20 minutes on the turbo and then I'll go off, run them up to a club and then come back and carry on. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just taking it and being adaptable really. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes I can be training later at night. Um, yeah, it's, and then we, we tend not to eat. The, the boys will eat earlier and me and Mel, will, we won't eat till probably about nine o'clock at night. So okay, uh, we'll have the training done. And then um, Mel's very good with the, um, she does most of the food sorting out and that. And she, her food, the food sorting out is better than my training plan. It's just like she will have put out the next week what we're going to have every night so we're she'll um she'll pester me at the weekend like what do you want to eat each night and we'll come up with some meals and then we'll get a online delivery shop that will come in so we know what we're having each night and it's all planned and it, i'd say that's a big part of my success as well is having the right nutrition all planned in and makes it easier you're you're not eating rubbish or thinking what am i going to eat now or after a session it's i've got it planned in and mel she enjoys a cooking part of it as well so we cook different nights each, but um yeah, it's, we sit down, that's our downtime then, um, have our tea and that uh, and um yeah, bed and then start again. So
0: it's all about the it's all about the planning and the preparation then?
1: Yes, yeah, very much so, yeah. So I say my nutrition, yeah. Yes. So I have similar breakfast, I have porridge and banana for breakfast. Um, then the evening meals and my training is I train in the morning before work. And in the evening so all my training is split by about 12 hours so almost i'm training every 12 hours continually um the weekends i'll that will change a little bit because i'll probably do a bigger ride on a sunday and it'll be one single session um on the saturday uh, i normally mix up loads of different things um because the boys swim on a saturday morning so i'm jumping around there i can sometimes do park runs so i might go down and do park run then do a little run afterwards i might take them swimming in the afternoon and they're they're good enough that they can play in one side of the pool now and i can get a session on the other side so yeah it's um, uh, yeah planning and consistency i'll take the consistency he's a big part yeah. of it yeah yeah
0: busy man busy organized getting it's, it done yeah, around a lot
1: of, try, a lot of other stuff trying to find time for other things is very difficult yes it's like how you fit everything in
0: <laughs> yes what's your uh what's your coaching situation at the moment
1: i'm self-coached um okay never had a coach but although i'm self-coached i do take advice from people so um and help so with the swimming i do most of my swimming by myself but i might meet up with some other triathletes there's quite a lot of traffic good triathletes as well in the area so um we will arranged on whatsapp groups and that arranged to meet at the pool at certain times um the leisure center run a adult condition swim which um is run by one of the guys he does a bit of triathlon as well and he does It's a good set actually he'll normally make quite a hard set for us on a monday night so that's a coached session poolside um the cycling i'm a member of mid devon cycling club and that's always good to go along to. So I try and get along to the club rides on Sunday as much as I can. And it's always beneficial chatting to people that cycling is what they do. That's their only thing. So they're all they're all racing and doing things. So they talk about their training plans. And it's just good to ride with a group because you learn a lot about the group riding. And there'll be, you can always push harder when you're in a group as well. Um, yeah. We do a chain gang on Tuesday night in the summer, which is um, always one of the hardest sessions I do. So I'll ride over, meet them. And then we go up and down them um, it's called the Teen Valley. And it's a 20 minute effort up 20 minute effort back with a we concrete at the top and have about ten minutes up there. And um and, but it is eyes out, like riding really close proximity, which it does help you for um the the draft legal racing and that which isn't my favorite but it does mean that yeah you're you're pushing you're you're um you're at maximum for 20 minutes really close to each other and it's just when it's your turn to go you go it's just like no matter if you're hurting you pull your turn pull your turn pull your turn it it does get easier so yeah but my running is all my running's by myself and like i said january unsteady but it's again it would be great to drive somewhere and go to a running club um I can run outside my front door and Fitting keep the time. All in, down. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: hundred yeah. yeah, percent. Well, the balance that you've got definitely sounds like it's working for you. So the first rule is generally, if it ain't broken, don't try and fix something. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah. You found what works for you. What do you think your ultimate potential is in the sport? And obviously, you know, being four-time world champion already, what keeps driving
1: you to keep getting the training done? Um, a few people have asked me that and the training that sometimes it can feel a bit like a choice that like I went out this morning and it was it's raining it was dark it's not that nice it's like why are you doing it but I I enjoy the racing I race a lot and I enjoy the racing I enjoy the camaraderie you have with people when you meet them um I enjoy going to the events and it's not just the race itself it's the lead up to it talking to people about it and um, the people you meet at the event I know we bumped into each other a few um and yeah it's um i and i'm doing well at the moment and it's it's that drive and um that buzz you get from racing and doing well um especially the outlaw events where i've seen you is um because i can start um they're self-seated so i can start at the front of the race with the other guys and get through the swim get on the bike and then we can get to a little pace line and everybody's working really hard the surges as race tactics and you're all playing out and it's like who's overcooking it who's saving some back for the run and just like weighing up where everybody is And yeah I do enjoy that yeah it's um it's interesting
0: do you think you'll you'll step up and race a full distance or Ironman event at I any think point in the future
1: I think well I've entered I've entered Lanzarote this year so right um, okay as a qualifying race for Kona which is not Kona anymore for the men is it so um yeah I was I was going all in for uh, fully committed to going to Kona this year and now it's all changed. So I'm just trying to work out what to do, but, um, yeah, um, doing the long calls weekends, um, given me confidence that I'm able to go longer. And, um, mm. I've had, I had some nutrition training last year and the year before, and I've been working with a nutrition coach and using a glucose monitor to monitor some bits and pieces. And, um, we did some metabolic testing and, on the long course weekend, I I went over a bump um, down on a quite a fast descent um, through some lanes, and I, I had two bottles behind my seat. One was all my puncture repair kit, and the other one was like a really strong gel mix. And uh, I lost it all going down one of the hills within the first 20 miles. I was like, I've hardly got any nutrition in my pocket. So I nursed myself around on the nutrition. Um, but I managed to break away from the group and almost... Time trial in the last twenty minutes, and my power numbers were that of a ten mile time trial almost. So I was surprised that I could do that on such little. Nu- I took in less than a thousand calories on a hundred and twelve mile bike. Wow! And, yeah, and um I bumped into the new my nutritionist um, Dave Star. He lives up in Notting, but he was down in this area. I bumped into him a couple months later, and we were talking about. It, and he goes. Your body is built for going long. He goes. You're really well fat adapted, and um, yeah, you 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 if you train it properly, you can go long well. So after doing the long course weekend and that advice from him, I was thinking, yeah, maybe it's time to step up and do some of the longer stuff. Not step up, but just a different challenge and um, do some of the longer stuff. And that was my plan to try and go to Kona this year, but that's all up in the air. So um, yeah. I'm trying to work out whether I do Nice or whether i postpone it for kona but it's again going out to Hawaii. it would be if we can take the family but it's in school time and it's how long you go for because it's a you can't just go and come back it doesn't feel right does it so um yeah it's yeah big,
0: big juggling i was going to say i think now i might be wrong on this but when it was initially announced you could you could qualify and if you qualified for niche you could roll it for this year, you could roll it to yes. for the next year, I think. Now, whether that'll change in the future or not, I don't know. But you're not tempted by the idea of um idea of going to Nice and racing the world champs there. I am. I'm
1: I am tempted and I must it admit that would suit I'm,
0: you. That course would suit you down to the you're, ground, mate.
1: Yeah, you're not the only person. Will Clark messaged me as well and said that course would really suit you. So and I did the 70.3 World Tour in 2019. And um, came fifth in Adria then, but I, I know I'm racing a lot better than I was then for that sort of distance. So um, I must admit it is tempting because although it's nice, it's not Kona. It's still a World Championships, and I think it will be um, quite well attended because it's a easy location to get to. It's got ample accommodation. Yeah, it's an international airport harbour, and yeah, that that hilly bike course should, should suit me. So, but yeah. it, it's two weeks after the seventy point three worlds in Finland, which I had as a target. I meanted, I've, I've, I've paid, I've committed to that one. So it's only two weeks after it, but mm. I think I should be able to do a full two weeks after a half. I wouldn't be able to do it the other one. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: that's interesting. I think you you often find that you get although you can feel pretty sore for a week after that seventy point three, you seem to get a really good fitness bump two weeks after the seventy point three. So although and i don't know why but i wouldn't ever schedule a 70.3 for two weeks before an iron distance race it does seem that people who've done it almost as a well you know that's the way it's fallen this year and i'm going to give it a go they always seem to race really well in the iron distance almost whether it's a lack of expectation thing i don't know but it it always seems to work out so
1: yeah I, i um did weymouth this year and then the following weekend i did outlaw x so they were i know it's another half but it's um i did two halves back to back and performed well at both so it's um yeah yeah i think because you need that few days to recover but that also brings your training down so you're almost because you you need to taper for that iron man you need to taper more so than a half so i think having the the racing under your belt almost forces that recovery stroke taper so i think if you played it correctly yeah you could do like the Norwegians do that they? they seem to race everything and do well at it so yeah and um, I'm sure there's a lot of science goes into their tapering and what they do so yes
0: Be interesting to see how that works out for you all right is there is there anything looking back that you wish you could go back in time and tell your 18 year old self oh um
1: I think I could have I could have um pursued more endurance stuff as an earlier age it'd been it'd have been interesting to see where i'd have got to if i'd started in my 20s uh, it's always a little bit a lot of people ask me that as well and um, i think the reason i'm doing well is because i didn't do that endurance stuff in my 20s and i hadn't worn out all my joints and everything then but um yeah i'd have been interested to see what i could have done as a, as, um, a younger myself yes racing and yeah, yeah. um, triathlon a bit
0: and all right, so my last question. This is this is kind of off the topic of triathlon, but what's something that people seem to
1: misunderstand about you? Um, I think people. I'm not sure people see the hard work that goes in behind the scenes, and probably think that your race results come easily because you're winning across the board at so many events, and um, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into it. And uh, a phrase I like to use is. Um, it's never given, it's always earned. Yeah, it's um you still have to put the time, the graft in, and um the, the racing's almost like the reward of your training. But yeah, people think it comes easy. And I know everybody's different physiologically, and um you have to have you have to have that natural ability as well, but to train that natural ability and keep it going. Yeah, it's it's not it, it's not easy. It's, um, I've got a friend that's, he's taken a real interest in my, um, triathlon this year and he's come to a lot of the events with me and we went out for a drink over Christmas. He was talking to some of the people at the pub, um, about me, but he'd had a couple of drinks and he was like, Oh, he's, he does this at this time. He does this at this time. It's just listening to somebody's output, how regimented you are when you go to events and how much you do focus and put the effort and time into it. Yeah. It was interesting. Yes.
0: Interesting to hear how somebody else, almost like you're hearing what you look like from the outside reflected back to you, because I suppose when you're in it, you don't realize your habits are, they sound very regimented. You're up at 5.30, your meals are all prepared. You know what you're cooking, you know what you're eating. I suppose when you hear someone else talking about you like that, you kind of go, oh, actually I have put a lot of things in place here that maybe other people don't put in place.
1: Mm, yeah, and yeah, I'm not saying that nobody makes a sacrifice, but a lot of sacrifices as well. Like, um yeah, it's just with well, your diet, your drinking, it's um, your nutrition. It's yeah, it's a lot of things that you could do different. Not saying that I'm really strict on my diet or not drinking, but you, I do cut down a little bit, yeah, here and there, just to just to keep your body in that fighting shape. So yes,
0: yeah. awesome. All right, well, listen, I feel so we've we've learned a ton from uh, from listening to you today. So thanks very much for your time, Donald. Next big event on the horizon for you is Ironman Lanzarote.
1: Yeah, well, I've got Ironman. I'm, I'm I'm deliberating whether because it was the one I could fit in before doing Nice. Um sorry for. The world to qualify for the world. So um, if I decide to do this, I'll do Lanzarote. If not, I might postpone Lanzarote a year and use it for Kona. So right, uh, okay. Yeah, I've got Long Course Weekend booked in again, again. They've invited me back, so that'd be nice to go there. Um, if champ and I didn't champ, yeah, a big target my back this time. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's going to be a bit more. It'll be a bit different. Um, and then, yeah, Finland for the 70.3 Worlds. They're the only ones I've got booked in at the moment. But um, I'm sure I'll fill up around that with other other RAM events. So.
0: Great. Well, listen, I wish you all the, all the best of luck. I hope our paths cross an event next year. And if uh, if any of the listeners see you in your black and orange talk kit, they can they can give you a cheer on and, and wish you the yes. best coming in the other direction.
1: It does stand out, doesn't it? Yeah, very much so. All
0: right, brilliant, Donald. Listen, thank you very much for your time, mate okay thank you very much Rob. cheers okay i hope you got something from that interview there i love talking to someone who has risen to the very top of the sport but has done so by applying themselves to the sport that they love and getting the training done every day no matter what finding the time you heard donald they carving that time out before work and after work he's a really hard worker and I love seeing the really hard workers get rewarded. So if you're at one of the big British races this year and you see Donald and his, his often wearing distinctive talk-sponsored kit, you can, uh, you can say hello and give him a team oxygenetic high five as he goes by in the other direction. All right, guys. So remember, that brings us to about the end of this week's show. Remember that we've got a special coming next week on helping you improve your running, either your standalone running or helping you improve your running within duathlon, triathlon, middle, long distance, Ironman. Any questions that you might have, and believe you me, I've heard a lot of them over the years. I know there's a lot of people with questions about how to improve their run. Coach Chris Palaferman and I are going to be putting together a special edition next week. We've been blown away by how popular, in terms of downloads, the six months to your Man episode was we put out two weeks ago. That's done more downloads than many of the episodes that we did over the last year. And it's obvious that there's a hunger out there at the moment for educational products that are going to help people get better at their events. So we're really excited to bring this, web, uh, this podcast webinar to you next week, if you want to think of it like that. We'll give you the benefit of all of our coaching knowledge. But until next week, here's some discount codes and deals for you. At precisionfuelandhydration.com, you can use the code OA23 for 15% off your first electrolyte order. And if you're looking for triathlon, multi-sport, duathlon, ultra-running, aqua-bike, marathon-running, cycle sporty, coaching for next year, I think we've got the most comprehensive endurance sports coaching program for busy age groupers. Whatever the distance of event you're training for, We've got you covered. Book a call with me to see if you'd be a good fit for joining the team and let's see how we can help you make 2023 be your best year ever in endurance sport. So remember, there's links in the show notes so you don't have to remember them. And until next week, have a great, safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby and you've been listening to the Oxygen Addict Podcast. See ya.